There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 759. This um hey, I want to plug some stuff. Ooh. There is a Kickstarter which is uh crushing right now, but there's what's a- it for? I don't know if you've ever heard of a little program called Masterpiece Theater. Lidsville. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Uh, Nice. uh, Good poll. That uh, that has to be someone is like, we could kickstart this. No, it's uh, Mystery Science Theater. Oh, you mean the greatest thing ever. Joel Hodgson has launched a Kickstarter to bring back. They're trying to raise $2 million to make three episodes of MST. Uh, 3K, and if they raise $5 million, they'll do an entire season for 12 Hey guys, let's get on this so we can all get the thing we want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's basically, it's very expensive to make a show. They, yes. have, to, they have to rebuild the bots and, and do all that stuff. And then put it back up into space. Put it back up into space, build the satellite, build the satellite of love. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it launched... That's what the UFO was, by the way, they the were, other yeah, night. They were launching the satellite Test love. flights for the satellite They were love. already, yeah, they, they just launched it today. No, they just launched it a couple of days ago, and they're, they're already well on their way, but... But they haven't hit the goal yet. Hey, so. eccentric millionaire fans listening, let's make this happen. <laughs> uh, so, Mystery Science Theater, I believe the URL is bringbackmst3k.com. I just type that into random web bars anyway. Well, now it'll actually lead to something. <laughs> Kyle, what do you got in the nurse uh, community I've court got, court? Uh, Jason Newman, who's been inspired to make his own thing based on your suggestion. Fuck you! Uh, and he has a podcast called After These Messages. It's a five-minute podcast that goes out, I believe, once a week. And it's a fictional series of commercial breaks for something. So it's all fake commercials that he's built out together. It's super cool. Like I kind of like love weird stuff like this it's kind of a mix of a little bit of fire sign theater and sort of cool like breakdowns like you know and you know i love me a commercial parody so i'm just a real sucker for this i just think it's a real cool thing he's got he's on itunes under the podcast section with after these messages and he's also got a soundcloud for it that's soundcloud slash after these messages people love your recommendations kyle so i'm i'm I do have very impeccable much taste I really do. Like self-aware, son of a bitch. Very few things I'm confident about besides being a fun time tastemaker. You're so good at life. Yeah. Well, no, I'm bad at life, but I'm good at looking at things that people should do instead of living life. Well, there's oh, there's the tagline for your fucking I would also sitcom. plug uh, December fourth. I'm doing my album recording at Meltdown. Uh, it's an evening with Kyle Clark, and I'm recording my uh, my album there, so it'll be good. December fourth, Meltdown, nine p.m. I'm gonna, yeah, go I'm gonna to be that. out of town performing. I know. How Scout and I will be there. Yeah. Good for you, though. It's, uh, it's going to be super fun. This episode of the podcast is Punch Brothers. Yeah. One of my favorite bands. Um, Chris Thiele is maybe... Kind of a genius. I, kind of. He, he played this whole Bach piece on YouTube on a fucking mandolin. It is 
unbelievable. It's pretty impressive. The band is great, but also Gnome, like the rest of the band, they're all it's they're they're the prog rock of bluegrass. It's like a bunch of geniuses just came together and, and all put on fun hats. Um, they have uh, their latest album is called Phosphorescent Blues. It it's is real good, spectacular. I mean, it is bluegrassy, but there's also like classical structure yeah. to it as well. I mean, it's fucking. They're so fucking great, and they they've. I mean, for years I've adored Punch Brothers. They've they've in addition to their own music, they've also they've they've done some amazing like Radiohead covers and they've really transcended. I feel like like starting in the bluegrass world, we're then moving into. I think that they've taken elements of of a lot of the cool like freaky folk stuff that's gone on and sort of the prog experimental music scene playing with suites of stuff. They're really a really interesting and cool band. Yeah, they have a pretty great Strokes cover too. That's oh, it's so good. Yeah, everything about. But besides their covers, their original songs are fantastic. Uh, they uh, have upcoming tour dates that can be found at punchbrothers.com. And uh, yeah, I got to go hang out with them before their show with the Greek, and it was spectacular. So I'm very excited that these guys are on. This is the Notice Podcast number seven fifty nine with Punch Brothers. Katie, get there, roll that thing. Now entering nerdist.com. Thank you. 
Official start either. I think we just start. We just start. Ultimately, oh. is how it okay. usually. Let's. Hey, y'all! I think we're gonna do this. And so we're just gonna pass this back and forth. What you doing? Brother Ted, where you at? Yeah. The, <laughs> did you have you had the coldies? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want some room? I can okay. squeeze in over here. here. Perfect. Bam. I guess let's just go down and everyone introduce themselves so people listening can. Try to get a sense of who's of who's, who's whom. All right, yeah. all right. That would starting now. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Paul Coward. I play the bass in Punch Brothers. <laughs> now, I'm Chris Aldridge, but everybody's gonna call me Critter. I'm the guitar player. Also in Punch Brothers. Oh yeah, I play. I, I'm in oh, Punch Brothers. Did you know he was gonna be here too? Oh, this other Punch Brothers. Uh, Wait, how many how know. many bands are called the Punch Brothers? Yeah, this is... there's a lot. There's a lot of Punch Brothers <laughs> bands, and they're all pretty. The other ones yeah. really aren't that great. Yeah. There's a well, Zydeco <laughs> band, um, which is the weirdest reference. Yeah. Polka, polka band. I'm Noam Pekalny, and I play banjo, coincidentally, in Punch Brothers. Which is crazy. This is... You guys, is you're not going to believe this. Wait a minute. <laughs> don't even, don't even, don't even. Okay, here, okay, okay. <laughs> that, was, that was Gabe Witcher. He plays the fiddle in Punch Brothers. You're right? not also in Punch Brothers. I, right? I I am I am in Punch Brothers this too. Is, this is amazing. Uh, I mean, but we don't have to talk. We don't have no, to I talk think about it's good. that. It's just, when I was, you know, when I was just when I snuck backstage and I was banging on all the doors, I didn't realize that this would be an all Punch Brothers uh, dressing room. But I think it's nice they've given you your own dressing room. It, it is. That's. <laughs> it is nice. There, there's fruit. There's fruit in here. That we have. Four we have. Love, there's five four. Yeah, sure. but there's. That's true. So we're gonna have to fight over. Yeah. One guy is not going to get an orange. You've no oh, and I'm I'm Chris Thiele, by the way. I play the mandolin. The uh, flowers in a mason jar. I took a, I took an Uber up here because the Greek is usually unapproachable. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And the parking is usually not not awesome. And the whole way from my house, it was a Kiss FM hits. And I, I could not wait to get here <laughs> to cleanse my ear. Like the second I, what did you hear? What did you hear? Oh, it's a bunch of shit I don't even know. And uh-huh. then and then uh, and then shake it off by Taylor Swift, yeah. which, you know, I gotta be honest, I don't hate it. Uh, no? But it, but everything but everything else I heard I was not uh, was was difficult. Well, and you know you could link uh, your Uber Uber account to Spotify, and I, f- I figured like the the best focus group possible is to get in an Uber and and play your own music through <laughs> Spotify just to see the driver's reaction, and then you could kind of cater your next album based on that's a on really how good idea. Responding. That's a really good idea. Well, Pretty, this guy really we enjoyed Kiss Uber, FM. Wait, who was it? Two of us took an Uber 
recently, and the guy, or no, wait, it might have been a London no, it was cat. Us. It was it. It was you and me. No, right? it was, yeah, and he was asking us about what we did, and we were telling. We were in some town. I don't remember. He's like, "Oh, you're playing. Oh, cool. What's your name of your band?" We told him. And it was then, London. Like, we were in London. In London. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, like. 15 seconds later he had it pulled up on Spotify and he, we were listening to our record oh that's amazing cabin. it was very strange also his reference was his reference was oh I love this I'm a big Elvis fan oh yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly the same that's right there's, there's pop music and then everything else well is, I think we're yeah we were we we're both American I think I you're think, just lucky yeah. he wasn't like are you like Pitbull like he yeah. thought you were like Pitbull <laughs> Uh, and you're not. You're, I, you guys are truly one of my favorite bands, and I've been stalking Aww. you for years. We've been sort of talking around, like, oh, we have to get you on the podcast, and it's just our travel schedules are shitty. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you guys are in the middle of a, of a crazy long tour. And This is, well, finally at the very, well, at the end of this close, one. Close. But then another one will But start. then there's another that's, one right yeah, around the corner. How many, how many dates have you guys done? This year? This year, I'm, yeah. Oh. What? I mean, I don't know. It's be, it's best not. The math breaks. <laughs> the math breaks down. And you've never been to the Greek before. This is the first time at the Greek for I, us to play. I celebrated yeah. by stopping at Gelson's on the way over here for diapers. <laughs> yeah, this guy. And that'd be. I think you're going to make it through the set just fine. <laughs> we should mention that he has a. Uh, yeah, he does have a, a newborn baby. <laughs> no, no, no you shouldn't mention that. Oh. Just let people try to figure out like why you would need diapers. Well, that must be a fucking crazy show. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got to figure out if you're going to be a band. You know, Slipknot already has happened, so yeah. you have to figure out a new way to shock people. Right. That's really funny. Then you play these just these beautifully executed songs and then everyone just shits their pants on right. stage. It's just like a nice little a bonus part at it's the end. It's better than banter. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah. This is like punk bluegrass. <laughs> like, nothing more punk than that. <laughs> That's, there is nothing more punk yeah. than shitting oneself. I guarantee like... The, well, maybe no diapers would be a little bit more punk. <laughs> just kind of being up there. Yeah, but the, just but let it flow, why, let it flow. That's why I stopped. That's why I stopped for diapers is because this is a seated show and you want to just tone it, you want to tone it down yeah, a right. little bit. Yeah, bluegrass classes it up just enough to use the diaper. Right. Uh, <laughs> but it's like sort What's of... What's the difference between punk and bluegrass? That's acoustic. That's yeah. acoustic. It's like... Yeah. But it's an, old, it's an old rag because it's like, it's old timey. Oh yeah. It's old timey. Yeah. It's a cloth diaper. Interesting. <laughs> Carter Stanley chat in this. <laughs> Sorry, blasphemy, blasphemy. The, the Greek is is I, I, the Greek sounds amazing. You got it's. It I think it's. I think it's. I think it's personally the best venue in Los Angeles. This is amazing. Um, amazing. Place. I like it better than the Hollywood Bowl. It's a oh, little. It feels more intimate. The bowl, the farther back you go, just you might as well just be in an, a, across the street. Also, it's a little wine. It's a little wine and cheesy at the bowl. Sometimes. It is a little wine. Yeah, yeah. And this, I love the bowl. I love the bowl. Yeah, but would love to play there. Yes, that's would, right. Would love to play there. Still would love to play there. Well, no one's uh, listening. They're gonna be like, well, "Do you hear what they said? They're not gonna fucking play the bowl now." <laughs> not if I have anything to do with it. I'm Ted Ball. Pick your diapers, Ball. <laughs> and I'm never gonna let these guys in my venue. Uh, but it, I, I saw uh, I saw Heart here, and it was incredible. Like uh, maybe ten years ago, oh, wow. and uh, Ann Wilson just blew the doors off the oh, place. Hell yeah! And uh, saw Weird Al here, which was an amazing. Wait, show. how long ago? Oh, this was probably also about ten years ago. Uh, Wait, was he doing? Was he doing? Uh, uh, Bye bye this year, Anakin guy. The the actual oh, yeah, Star yeah, yeah, Wars yeah, yeah, yeah. American did, did, Pie yes, thing. Yes, he did. Because I used to sing 
all of that. I learned all of it, and I would attempt to impress girls at Murray State University. <laughs> she, of course, failed attempt. Yeah, I was going to say, how'd that go for you? Well, that's why you got to... If you'd gone to Comic-Con and done that, then it would have worked. Right. But just at a regular university... No, that may not be Comic Con Paducah. They barely, they barely even slowed down on their walk by me. But this place, this is it, and we're we're in a we're in a dressing room that obviously has not changed since the seventies. Yeah, and is you prop if you backed into the wall, you could get pregnant. Like I can't even imagine (laughs) what horrible, wonderful things must have happened in in the exact place. We're sitting right now. <laughs> you know, there's some unfound cocaine in the wall somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. somewhere. You, if you just snort the carpet, you would probably. <laughs> when we sat down on the couch, it was a it's just a puff of white smoke. Yeah, this explains a lot. <laughs> but <laughs> right. the interview is going wonderfully. But the Punch Brothers living hard with their bag of zinc. Uh, yeah, the, the, the coldies. We have the coldies. You know, it's it's the the end of this tour. Everyone's nursing something. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, how do you? protect your voices on the road how do you protect your physical health when you're because when, i don't ever i just go back and forth I don't, I don't ever go out for months at a time but you guys are just on the road it seems like so how are you able to it's just that golden the golden balance of coffee and alcohol you have to find <laughs> right. you have to find exactly the perfect mm-hmm. amount of both yep to and then mix them together, <laughs> <laughs> and then you get sick when you get home, like the day yeah, after yeah, exactly. you're done. It's always, you always, always. Your body realizes you don't wait. We don't have to. We don't have to stand on stage for two hours tonight. Then I, I'm out. Yeah. And when when I have uh, when I've been a, a trumpeter for the not a literal trumpeter, but when I've told people about Punch Brothers, like you gotta listen to Punch Brothers, and I it's. When I describe it, I say, well, it's bluegrass, but it's also kind of classical at the same time. It seems like there are some, there's some, there's classical influence, but through this sort of bluegrass lens. Like, the guy, the version you guys did of the Brandenburg Concerto was ah. unbelievable. Oh, thank you. So, where, where did you guys, like, what was the sort of founding philosophy of the band? When did you guys get together, and how did you kind of find this really specific intersection of these two different types of music. Well, well, actually, 10 years ago, uh, while you were watching Weird Al... Well, I was watching the, Weird Al. ...at yeah. the Greek, um, we... Uh, I started... Well, I met... Let's see, we had... Uh, we'd known each other. G- Gabe, the fiddle player, and Me. I, Chris, mandolin. Um, <laughs> we had known each other since I was seven and you were nine. Exactly. Met, met in Azusa at the Follows Camp Festival. Oh, not, not Azusa! Sorry. Azusa. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Living large in Azusa. Exactly. Uh, and, and had always talked about doing something together. But when I met Noam uh, again, he, he always reminds me. We had met if the previously. First time, the first time didn't register. Yeah. <laughs> you still have no me- memory of meeting him the first now time? Now I think I do, but only because I've been reminded about it so many times. Yeah. Um, but the... Uh, uh, when I met him, then it became clear. I was like, oh, this thing that I've wanted to do with Gabbers forever. It's, if, if it's going to be fiddle and mandolin and banjo, then regardless of what you know, the core of the thing is going to be stylistically, at least on the surface of it, it's going to be kind of bluegrassy. Right. Uh, we'll need a guitar uh, and a bass right. to just sort of round out the package. Also, that, that way we know, we know what those instruments do. So even if we're not going to use them in their sort of tra- traditional capacity we, we we know what they do just like if you if you're like good with certain colors you're going to paint whatever you're going to paint with those colors right uh and and that's kind of how we look at it so the fact that all five of us are 
are into classical music that comes out in certain ways. Um, you know, we're also into, uh, I mean, just any number of things. But these are the instruments we have to work with. So not that many people can play Bach on a mandolin, though, or, or all the different. And it's one of my favorite things about bluegrass as a style is that it does seem to. It does seem to be the, because I assume, you know, when it started, people are in these mountain towns and they're just entertaining each other and they have to be able to cover every different um, frequency of music (laughs) without a microphone, you know, like without being amplified. And so I I feel like that's why, that's why I think it's so easy to cover music in bluegrass because it really, it can just pull the basic elements of anything and make it sound good. That's that's actually that's a great point that you've got every you know the the band the actual ensemble runs the gamut just as far as you know the sonic capabilities of the thing without and what's fun is without having to plug in to anything right. you know like we're we're today we're around a single microphone just so that we can get you know we can get onto uh, the little thing here that's recording us the Zoom H four N there you go <laughs> patent pending yep. Um, this portion brought to you by Tascam. <laughs> <laughs> Guitar Center is having a bi-weekly sale. There won't be prices like this until next Thursday. <laughs> There's just too many guitars. There's too many Guitar Center many sales. Guitar. <laughs> I, get, I get an email every day from a specific person. It at always Guitar read, Center? Yeah, at Guitar Center. It comes up as this guy's email it's address. It's your brother. You <laughs> <laughs> are so cruel. <laughs> But, the, but he's always the, this. Whoever this is at Guitar Center is so upset with me. You haven't come in for so long. It says in these emails. It's like very personal. Wow. So another just there's, their new branding is just to guilt people guilt. into coming in. We, we notice you haven't been in for a long write. time. Hey, you we, never buy picks anymore. Yeah, exactly. What's what's the deal, man? I just wonder if there are always sales. Doesn't that mean that there are never sales? Like because that feels like that's sort of where the <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've not been to a guitar center in a long time. I just order everything online. Where do you guys find? Yeah. Where you know if you're on the road. And you pop a bass string or something? How are you? Or like, what do you? What do you do? Um, that's never happened. Okay. <laughs> what happens you like when what? you forget if... to bring your bass? Ah, there it is. That has happened. happened. Uh, that has. You forget to bring your bass. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, it sounds. I don't know. Four against one sounds that... like maybe that has happened. I uh, one time we flew to Germany and I forgot <laughs> a uh, forgot to bring a bass. <laughs> Now, when you're on your way to the airport, did you remember that you were going to a gig, or were you like, yay, Germany? (laughs) That was in the middle of a lot of touring. It's all a little bit hazy, man. Gotcha. Gotcha. He he didn't hit the crucial balance between caffeine and alcohol. (laughs) Too much one or the other. Do you you go into some fine German instrument shop and buy, like, a viola and just slap it? Is that that how that works? (laughs) (laughs) This will work. Um, No, I found a guy. Guitar center. Yeah. found a guy from Brooklyn in Germany who had an amazing bass that fit my pickup and everything. It was kind of miraculous. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's one of those experiences that should have taught me a lesson but ended up being great. Yeah, so the, the, <laughs> le- the, the lesson here was don't fucking worry about anything. Yeah. Like, it's all going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. lesson. Where do you guys fit in in terms of... Because um, I, I had some dear friends uh, who were in a bluegrass band called The Cousin Lovers. Uh, yeah. They were a phenomenal band, phenomenal live band. And... At the time, around 2001, 2002, they were having difficulty because they were kind of playing modern themes with bluegrass instruments, and so they had difficulty finding a place 
like Nashville was like, well, you're not bluegrass enough. And other places were like, you're too bluegrass. Oh. And so, and, and then the bluegrass snobs were like, well, it's not technically. It's like they, they, but they were such an amazing band. Did you, do you find some of the same? I mean, obviously not. You're playing great venues, but uh, how, how, how do you define it, really? It was actually, a, that was a total issue at the, at the start, at the outset of the band, because we look, we look like a bluegrass band. I mean, just, we, we, we wear suits, we play the five instruments that are commonly associated with, with bluegrass. And, and so I think initially you have a bunch of these, these people who, who their whole mission in life is to only ever listen to bluegrass, specifically traditional bluegrass music. That's, that's all that they ever want to pass through their ears. Um, and so they would come because it looks right, and then they would be really upset because it doesn't sound right. That's so. Well, awesome. I think people got their hopes up um, after after Nickel Creek. They saw that Chris Thiele was putting a bluegrass band together, you know, ostensibly because there was a band drill all of a sudden. People thought maybe now he's finally returning to his roots. And then we got on stage and played a, you know, forty-five minute uh, string quintet in four movements as kind of our uh, initial mission statement. And so people were a little blindsided. But as far as like the location, like when our, in our infancy as a band we were we were all in new york city and um we were playing locally we were playing at the living room at one point we were playing there once a week right and then it became yeah. once a month and then every couple months and and once a year but uh we were all in the in the same city that was the last time that we were all living in the same place was was when we were in new york and people didn't really seem to be too concerned um, at least our audience that was starting to, to grow at that point uh, out of those local shows, people weren't really concerned with whether we were authentically bluegrass or if we were on the fringes or not. I think there may have been some novelty um, to the fact that we were playing these instruments, or maybe not novelty, some but a bit of an exoticism that, like, sure. wow, what is this like bluegrass band doing playing Radiohead like in the East Village on Thursday night at, at midnight? And so I think people got excited, and it really fueled us, and it it kind of gave us the uh, I, I think a lot of initial encouragement to keep doing what we were doing because of the response within our little community there. I mean, your original songs are amazing, and. Uh Phosphorescent Blues is a great album, uh, and, but your covers are also there. There's a great video online of you guys doing. Speaking of Radiohead, a pack like sardines in a crushed tin box oh, yeah. at. Yeah. I think you're in Portland. Yeah, yeah, and the Chamber of Music. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah you're in this. You're basically in, you're playing where chamber music plays, right. and it sounds phenomenal. <laughs> Did you? Uh, uh, is there a specific type of venue that you guys prefer playing, or does it not matter? It kind of matters a little bit. We we actually did struggle to kind of fit ourselves, fit the music with the venue, and we have uh, fortunately have enough uh, variety now to where if we are in a venue that's maybe going to be standing and louder than a seated concert hall, we can kind of tailor our set to to fit into that and and the setup and too, the and like the setup we, yeah how we actually amplify the thing you know we'll have like t- today playing the Greek you know kind of in festival conditions as as one says the uh you know we'll we have a, a bigger setup we've got you know he actually plays some drums our gabe our fiddle player will actually hit drums with his fiddle bow um yeah, yeah. You're, you're gonna check that out that's pretty badass um but then but then you know you get into one of these beautiful uh concert halls and we'll we'll kind of strip down to the to the single mic um and, and, and do it all acoustically around one microphone 
Yeah. So yeah, it, it, we we did run into some times where we were trying to play the forty. Two minute string quintet in a rock club, <laughs> and, just... and then also recently have have run into the other the other issue where where you like you show up in a beautiful concert hall wanting to play you know like a raucous Strokes cover and realizing ah this is well, not that was this is not... that was in you know maybe a couple years in we we were playing some really beautiful rooms and um, we were you know, making uh, a good living as a, a band in its infancy, like for, for being around for two years. And we kind of thought that. <laughs> oh, look at that little guy. Right on cue, in, in, infancy. Like, you made a person. Uh, I made a person. That's his manager. <laughs> That's more true he's, than you know. Speaking of our infancy. He's very upset because there, you, the, the, the writer said pork rinds. There were no pork rinds. He's throwing a fit. <laughs> Really unhappy. I think having a baby manager would be pretty rad because I think the vendor would be like, "Fuck, I don't know, just give them whatever they want." Okay, fine. Longer set. Longer set. <laughs> Whatever. No curfew. No noise ordinance. Don't fuck with that guy. Yeah, it's uh, uh, you. You so you mentioned the Strokes, then the Reptilia cover. Was that at a radio station? Yeah. yeah, and it was cold. It was cold as hell, which is why. So that they, I don't think there's a video of ours on YouTube that has more views than that one. And we oh, look God. insane. Because, <laughs> yeah, I'm because... wearing an Elmer Fudd hat. Yeah, like winter hunting hunting cap. They, we didn't know it was being filmed. We had no idea it was being filmed. It was like early enough to where it was maybe like every like tenth tenth radio performance they would film it and put it on the internet, but the rest of them just went out. Live and now you it. know. Now you just you just know everything's going to get filmed. Do you just assume that everything? I mean, how do you? Uh... <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, taking pictures. And so yeah, we had uh, nice hats on, scarves. We looked ridiculous. It was like nine in the morning. We literally rolled in from the van. I mean, it was the equivalent. Of, I think people might actually uh, have been you know excited by it, not because of the music. They people may have thought like. Wow, we found you know the new village people. Like, <laughs> it's like we've been waiting for something to come along, and they were just waiting for us to just start spelling something out with our bodies yeah. during that song. And if you <laughs> listen to the music, the new village is a copper mining camp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Elton John give you shit for yeah, the way yeah. you looked? On, what? On, on, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Elton, John, Elton John. Elton John, John giving you was shit busting for the my balls over this. of your <laughs> outfit. Uh, yeah. Did, yeah. Where are those goldfish shoes, EJ? <laughs> Fucking talk to me. It's ridiculous. I can't hear you through the Donald Duck head. <laughs> All the Captain Fantastic ears? Come on, never. Like that, you just get your card revoked for ever commenting on anyone ever again. No, but that's how messed up our attire was that day. Yeah. Did you play? Did, did you do a show with him? Yeah, a few years ago, uh, T Bone Burnett put together a benefit show called The Speaking Clock Review in New York, and. Elton John was on it, and uh, Leon Russell, a bunch of big stars, and um, Elton came backstage and, and like asked permission to come into our dressing room because he he wanted to. to he started meet. singing. He that. started singing Rye Whiskey, and then gave a shit about that. And then he started giving video. a shit about that video. He's like, he said like, Pickles, where's your hat? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what? That's. That's the, probably the most surreal thing. Yeah. Yeah. Was that, was, that was true. That was amazing. Are you able to? Do, do you get? What makes? Do you, I assume you guys don't really get nervous anymore because you play so many shows. It just you're just locked in. But 
Are, are you, uh, w when you know that someone like Elton John is in the audience, or do you get nervous like if, if, if family and friends come to a show? Is there oh, anything that's, that kind that's of upsetting? More, that's, to more me, that's more nerve-wracking to me. Like, fa family and friends being there, people that, that you really know. Got an answer and to? That they, and that they know that you're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, you know, I'm that's up right. there trying to be cool. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you play these songs, you work hard on these songs, and you kind of deliver them in character, and you know that this person knows that that's not real. <laughs> <laughs> you also, they, you can also tell, they can't lie to you. Like, if right. they don't like, so, if they don't like the show, oh, yeah, you guys, that was real, you know. Right, because you know what it sounds like when they're psyched. Yes. And they're like, that was great, man, that was great. You're like, oh god, <laughs> my career is over. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's just uh, it just makes Thanksgiving weird. But other than that, it's not going to ruin your career. <laughs> that's, that's true. Did, I, uh, you, uh, I saw you winning some award from Steve Martin on the Letterman Show a few years ago, and yes. and that's because I first saw you guys at Largo. That's why I, the very first time I ever saw you. Was Speaking at Largo. of covers, you you joined us at the original Bluegrass situation. I did. To, to sing, what was it, from the Titanic? Oh, it was Wearing that, a wig. You were wearing a wig. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> Ed, Ed Helms called and said, you know, will you do a glam metal cover? We're going to play bluegrass, but you sing glam metal of... Um, uh, heart Will Go On? Yeah, My Heart Will Go On. Yeah, I was actually going through the song. Like, oh, yeah, and so yes. I came... I'd done the show called The Rock of Ages, which was like all glam metal hits, so I still had my costume, so I, I brought it, <laughs> and then they start the song, and then I came out and, you know, did the fire across that dip, you know, like all that, <laughs> but it, it was, uh, and it was really fun, but that's where I, that's where I, you know, I think maybe that's yeah, where I saw you guys for, yeah. the first, mm -hmm. for the first time. Uh, we're, that's, to me, Steve Martin is the god of everything, and he's the reason that I ever wanted to do comedy, and I know he really doesn't like talking about comedy anymore, but I'm sure you, uh, were you a fan of his before? Absolutely, yeah, and, um, that was probably more surreal than Elton John giving me shit for, uh, my hat, because I deserved that, um, but getting to hang out with Steve and, and, and getting to do the award, that was, we were all kind of blindsided by that. I think you guys were really surprised. It went to Pickles? Pickles. The other thing is that Pickles, Pickles actually bought us all cocktails the night that he found out about that award, which hasn't happened again. Um, I, well, yeah, true. Maybe you, guys, maybe you guys will have to concoct a fake award just to give him. Yeah, this is the, uh, uh, yeah, it's a booster shot for the Steve Martin Award. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we were, we were all fans of his, and we, we got to hang out a bunch with him because of that, uh, that event, and he sat in with us on, on Rye Whiskey playing on, on Letterman. He's just an amazing guy. He is an absolute perfectionist as far as, um, you know, anything that's going to be done on stage or in front of an audience. He wanted to rehearse like crazy more more than anybody i've ever encountered like he really wanted to rehearse that and he wanted to rehearse the that goes for the music, music and for the bit and, and for, for the like... banter and the 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 gag which had the this check on a retractable fishing line that was kind of mounted inside of his coat like he wanted to run it a million times and this was uh f for good measure because 
if it had failed in front of the audience, like it would have really been a letdown to have to retape that, <laughs> that segment. And, you know, fake, but the check, basically, you had the, the check, thing. and Steve. Yeah, so Steve magically Steve handed me a check, and I put it into my pocket. And then thirty seconds later, or <clears throat> ten seconds later, it flew back into his pocket from my pocket. It was a real magic trick, and it was something he learned back when he was doing magic um, thirty years ago or forty years ago, and. Um, we kept running the bit and we did it in front of some friends at his place and it failed and it failed every single time. <laughs> every time. It, it, it didn't work once in front of like another human being and it was, we got it to work a few times with just the two of us in the room and finally he just got so frustrated with the thing that he, he wanted to figure out what was going wrong with the gizmo and he took the thing apart and dissected this whole uh, gizmo thing, yeah. and rebuilt it and like tied the thing back together and had like this tiny little scissors and a tweezers and was sitting there at his dining room table reconstructing this this little gizmo he bought at some magic shop and um i just kind of had this sense of, of of awe that steve was doing this himself that he didn't have some you know banjo check gizmo tech that just lives in some corner of his his apartment Um, just in case in a cage (laughs) he feeds him whenever it's time to like fix a trick or put a string on yeah and I said said to Steve I said I think this is really really neat that you're you know working on this yourself and that you're you're still interested in doing this stuff and he, he turned to me and said I know. I can't believe that I'm here right now doing exactly the same thing I was doing 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but it's obvious that that's where his love is. That's I mean, amazing, you know, man. he does, he, it seems like, uh, it sort of feels like he's sort of over, like, I, I think if someone came up to him in public, and I know he's very shy, he would probably be more apt to respond if you were, if you said, like, I love the Steve Canyon Rangers, as opposed to... Comedy's not pretty, or whatever. Right. You know, like I, I think you. I think it feels like bluegrass is really where his his soul lives now. I, I think it's, it's probably his main inspiration right now is is playing music. But I, I just do know he enjoys things like of 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 artistic things. of things. Yeah. He just he he'll get. I I love people who who dive to the core of whatever they might be interested in, and and I think for him, whatever he's whatever he's up to. Um, is going to be informed by the things that he's interested in. And so, you know, there's always going to be... He's putting in so much energy into the appreciation of these other things so that whatever he happens to be putting out into the world, you know, he feels like he's got a good enough handle on these things that he loves. He can emulate them, improve upon them, you know, moving forward. I think it's a good way to be. (laughs) Do you have a... What is your trick if you... So, this sort of legendary Prince story, Prince fucks something up on stage, he does it twice. (laughs) <laughs> so that people think it was on purpose. Sure. So if he fucks up a note or fucks, he just does it. He'll just do it again. And we're like, wow, that's really cool. Uh, Absolutely. Turn that shit into a sequence. What are, what are, what are some of your uh, what are some of your tricks? Like if something goes sideways, do you have one? Any? Well, well, repetition is definitely at the top of anyone's anyone's list of Baseball. like. Well, I mean, it's it's really common, like. I'll, I'll see it at shows all the time that you go see a live concert and someone will just miss something on their instrument instrument or will sing something really out of tune and they'll immediately turn towards like the monitor engineer on the side of the stage and give him some angry look and like point point to the sky like louder louder like that happened because I can't hear well enough 
And, you know, this, that's <laughs> always, like, that's a classic one. But it's also kind of confusing, like, when you see someone pointing towards the sky because they want to turn their, themselves up in the monitor, you're not sure if they just want themselves to be louder or if they're saying that this one's for Jesus. Right, you know? of course. And so, Or let's make it louder for Jesus. For Jesus, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or that this clam... I dedicate this mistake. I dedicate yeah, we've to. All yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've all sinned. Exactly. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Do you guys ri- do you guys riff on stage? Do you, do you guys do you guys are you guys able to improvise on stage? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. That's that's kind of you want it. You want it to be different, especially if you're playing. You know, we were at the tail end of of the touring behind Phosphorescent Blues, mm-hmm. and um, and when you're when you're specifically touring behind something like that. Um, you know, you, you, you have there's a core group of songs that you're going to do every night, um, and and to make sure that you're not delivering a performance, um, that you're not that you're not mailing it in because for those people, hopefully there's a large percentage of those people who won't have seen us before. Right. If if you know if we step on stage and we feel like here we go again, um, then they you know there's that's not fair. That's not fair for anyone there. So so I think. Improvisation is is key to making sure that we feel one hundred percent engaged night in and night out, and it's also I think. It, but there's usually a good bit of structure to yeah. like the improvisation. Like we don't go on stage and just start, you know, making ocean noises and um, <laughs> and like look for any kind of cut, cutlery to hit our instruments with. Um, and so, but there's usually it's always you know a juxtaposition of an arrangement with some kind of improvisation. It could be somebody is now improvising a solo with the band playing you know the backup parts or it could be a, a highly arranged vocal section where somebody is improvising the accompanimental parts and so it's it's a kind of multi-layered yeah but then there's even there there is a section of the show that's just completely free so we everything breaks down and then we just improvise for oh, uh, however long yeah. yeah there's this instrumental <laughs> well why don't you guys tell me when that happens the next time <laughs> Do you ever have? Uh, oh, I thought you've just been really inspired. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever have weird? I would be so paranoid if I played an instrument like mandolin or banjo, where so much is so much rides in the articulation of your fingertips uh, that I I think I would just I would I would probably wear those like uh, uh, George Costanza when he was a hand <laughs> model. Like I would just I I'd be so terrified of protecting my hands at all times. Oh, we, I I get weird about that. A little bit about the condition of the fingertips. I, so I have braces right now. Yeah. And so for the first time in my life, I am not able to chew my fingernails. Oh. This is a big problem. That's a very me. important part of puberty. <laughs> <laughs> big problem for me because I've been, I, I had no idea, but I've been so used to how my teeth shape my fingertips and fingernails. I know it's so gross, so right? It no, it's not. For when you... Went yeah, to playing mandolin. Yeah, so well, no, so now, so now that now that I have to clip my fingernails, it feels really inexact compared to what my teeth. Did. Oh, because you knew how to get them into the exactly. exact length. I didn't know I was doing it, but that's what was happening. And now this stuff, it feels like it feels like the difference between like something that's handmade and something that's machine made. Well, I don't think it's fair that they're making you wear a cone around your head, uh, <laughs> like a yeah. It's fair. <laughs> I have to say, I think braces on an adult look really cool. I really do, actually. It's like grills. I think they like look. Grills. I think it looks cool because there's something automatically youthful about it. 
That's right. And it's sort of, I don't know, I, I actually think it looks pretty cool. I look energetic. Because you could have gone for stuff. the, like, oh, you put the ones in the back, but then people like talk a little weird when they have, like, the Invis- Invisalign Invis- back, right. back there. No, they couldn't. My teeth were too fucked up for Invisalign. They said, that's not going to work. <laughs> no. That's not well, cut. we're banking the entire kind of next phase of, of, of Punch Brothers on Chris's appearance. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm a big fan of Damn. the braces. Were you ever worried about like, oh no, if I change the where my teeth are, it's going to affect how my voice bounces off my mouth? Uh, y- yes. Yes. Uh, totally. I was. <laughs> we were finishing the record, Phosphorescent Blues, and he had from the time we uh, finished tracking to the time we got to around to doing the overdubs and maybe re-singing a couple of things here and there, he had gotten the braces. And the <laughs> tone was different. <laughs> the tone was different. It was absolutely different. Yeah. You, you can hear it on a record, actually. Um, on on Magnet, right? That whole lead vocal was delivered post-braces. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, right. And I think that might be the only the only lead vocal that yeah. was post-braces. Oh, no, there, um, there's one word in I Blew It Off. Yes, and that's actually the most... That's that's where you can hear the tone difference. <laughs> there's one word, because T-Bone... Uh, T-Bone actually had a, a, a pretty light touch with our band, and we, we come in with things, you know, sort of arranged within an inch of their lives and um, and, and more or less an idea of what we want to do. Uh, so T-Bone was just kind of mostly getting us to back off of that. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like, hey, you know, guys, two hours ago this was... This is pretty cool. Really good. Uh, you should go listen to that. Yeah, go, go check that out. But on this one, this one lyric, he really wanted to change one word, and I flew out during the mixing process. We were in the mix. We were in. No, we were. We were mastering because we flew the word in during mastering. Oh my god! Yeah. So the right. very final stage of, of the record making process, and uh, yeah, and he, we had kind of brought up this one word, and we're like, well. It's this, we wrote it this way, but we could change it to this other thing, and no one really had an opinion on it yet. And so then after, it. yeah, and then after a month of living with it, Timo was like, "We got to change that word." Yeah. So it's, in "I Blew It Off," the, the song "I Blew It Off," yep. uh, it was originally the sun licks the back of my neck through a crack in the window shade, um, and I was just getting into all the sounds at the ends of those words, and 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 I had other options. Uh, including hits. And then T-Bone called me. I was on an airplane. He was like, can you fly tomorrow? <laughs> I had the day off. I did it. And that's, so that word is with braces. Hits. Yeah. And do you think and anyone else noticed it? Or you guys just notice it? I notice it every single time. I notice Does it bother it. you? It doesn't bother me, but we definitely had to... It did bother me. Now I like it. <laughs> now I like it. We actually did have to go in... We had one of the uh, the interns at the mastering lab go in with this plugin called Isotope, which like removes clicks and noises mm-hmm. and like random stuff, and just kind of like get get rid of like some of the. He's doing sound. it right now. I sound like I sound like Shelly from South Park right now. He's doing it. <laughs> These are live. the most expensive braces of all time. Yeah. <laughs> how many flights? How many? How many extra days in the yeah. studio? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Everything tacked on. Yeah, just to go do one word. That was per, per word. That was an expensive word. But it makes all the difference. Hits. Yeah. The sun hits. Hits. Gotta hits. Get that word on the record. You got it. Yeah. I think that's it. It's not bad, right? <laughs> do you uh, do you guys have weird superstitions? Do musicians have you must have do you have weird superstitions? You always have to do something before a show. Or you always have to. Is there anything strange? 
<laughs> Paul is into well, it's not really superstitious. It's just freaky. Um, <laughs> he's, giving, he's giving the uh, explain as much as possible yeah, sign yeah. where the hand is doing this swiping at the throat. As it's, not a keep, <laughs> it's not a superstition, but it's kind of ritualistic. Keep vocalizing. Keep vocalizing. Keep, keep, keep vocalizing okay. about. Let's stay on the topic. That's the topic. <laughs> Just trying to build up some Paul Court mystique. <laughs> so now people are going to want to know what it is. You have to imagine what weird thing Paul does. Yeah. Um, well, Critter pees right yeah. before the set every night. <laughs> there know? we go. That's true. Let's yeah. get back. Let's get. But that's back just down. practical. Like yeah. you don't want to get on stage and have to pee. No, but yeah, I guess. Yeah, so. yeah. No, yeah. I drink lots and lots of water until an hour before the show, and then I take a leak about <laughs> two minutes before we walk on stage. We, and you know, uh, vocal I, cords are lubricated, and you know, it helps. It's just nature. It's just nature. Uh, we, we have I, a I toast. Mean, we toast. Yeah, we toast every every night. We'll we'll raise a glass to each other and. Say something ridiculous. Pickle right says something ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous every night. Not he, always. He, it sometimes we pass it around. The, the, <laughs> oh. the toasting abilities. Oh, sorry. I yeah, thought you were. Yeah. I thought you were going to say it wasn't ridiculous because it is without. No, yeah. I've never said anything in earnest in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a tradition. Trust is what that's called. Trust. Uh, I have a I, I have an actual superstition, which is if I'm having anything besides water to drink on stage, that I have to have a tiny bit of it before I go on, so that I know what it feels like. Oh, before I sing. I guess uh, that makes sense. I don't know if that's a superstition or not. I guess that's no, that's more practical, isn't it? Um, but if you didn't, would you feel weird? Yeah, I'm that no, I think every, be a superstition. Yeah, yeah every, every I feel really very odd. And then I'm liable not to have a sip of the thing on stage if I haven't had it before. Yeah, bummer. This Which is, a, is that's that's horrible because that that throws the balance off the <laughs> the caffeine alcohol balance. So when you're you know when you uh, when you're doing stand up you tour and then you do your album, and then you don't do that material ever again. Right. But you guys, <laughs> but you guys oh. do your album and then you go out in support of that. So I, I would imagine the downside of that could be. You record it and then you play the song a hundred times throughout the year. Yeah. yeah. And obviously it's going to evolve. Mm-hmm. By yeah, the, by the end you of your it. tour, you're like, "Fuck, this is so much better of a version than we recorded because now uh, we all know it." Absolutely. Every time. <laughs> Every time. But I mean, don't you think there are some songs that the repetition actually better. kind of <laughs> makes it harder and harder? <laughs> That's so depressing. Yeah. 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 No, but some songs that just never horrible. got any I, I think there's a certain magic to. St- Still being on the edge of learning something when you record it, well, yeah. and like certain things will just kind of flow um, because you're still exploring what what the song needs. And then when you're going to play it live, a lot of times, if you really hit it in the studio, you're just trying to recapture how that felt. The magic the of that one take, yeah, and that that can be tough. Do you guys all play at the same time when you're recording? Yeah, we had a couple of things on this last record where we specifically went in and, and wanted to layer instrument by instrument like the opening minute of the record we right. did it that way um, right. familiarity was familiarity one, is the, one the track yeah for the first part and the second part we did it in, in groups uh, of you know instruments so the, the guitar bass and drums did their thing and then Paul and I went in and layered the strings on top and then I think the banjo came Later, or something like that, and then, and then they, the, last. They, the last section yeah. of that song is all live vocal, lead vocal. We put the harmonies on later, but because my there's the song that I 
listen to over and over and over again from Phosphorescent Blues is Familiarity. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's one. the one. That, I was, was going to guess that because that's yeah, like yeah. an eight and a half minutes. Like it's a really long song yeah. in like three <laughs> movements. Yeah. Basically, that's yeah. It. Yeah, and so that was the one that completely surprised me because I just didn't expect it to have like classical movements. And it really, the song has sections in yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, it's, but every part also is really catchy. So oh, thank why, you, thank you. what was it about that that you said, well, these aren't three separate songs. These are all part of the same idea, and we have to do this kind of unconventional thing with these instruments. What, what was the inspiration behind that song? So that was a swirling, a, that was a, definitely a swirling mass of a thing. I remember showing you guys. So one, one thing that happened is I sat down in my apartment uh, thinking about openings to things. Um, thinking about like the first sound that you hear from some piece of music that you love, so a record or a, you know, a, a, yeah, or a piece or whatever it is. And I thought about um, I thought about uh, the uh, the opening to the Well Tempered Clavier, so box, you know, dun 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 that thing. Um, and I just started playing the opening to Familiarity and showed you guys at Telluride, and then had this just that it's. It's on again. You hate it, but you know it then. So, like the end, for instance, is that same. That same melody comes back, mm-hmm. but instead of being in this kind of like weird, mechanized sort of concert holly thing, it becomes like the reference we kept throwing out there was um, was like last waltz. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of like this kind of lumbering, just but the- like warm campfire kind of a thing, and the whole the whole lyric. Is you know is, is about um, you know our struggle to kind of connect with each other and 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 what we use you know over what do we connect at this at this point in the world like you know for for ages um, people have come together over over religion that they didn't necessarily understand mm-hmm. um, but it made them feel something or or they just wanted to be together with their with their community but still with a certain degree of anonymity mm-hmm. and i think that now social media and um but then also these 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 clubs these weird nightclubs of that that you know where you where you go and it's too loud to actually talk to anyone and no one really actually even likes the music that's there necessarily but they connect over yeah. it and that's a magical thing that i kind of in my head is somehow tied to to organize religion, to, to that, a lot of times you would go. At least me in my in my youth, like I would go to these, I would go to church, and I didn't really know what was happening, but I would feel things. Right. And I think there's a little, there's there's something there, and so that that song is this kind of long voyage to just trying to connect, and then the production, you know, mirrors that. So like at the beginning of the song, we were all separate. We were all like in I little ISO booths, and layering the sound playing together but like not at all at the same time and putting it together later towards at the end you know at the end of the song that's like around you know all of us in the same room around like a couple microphones um, to try and kind of drive the point home ah it's so music nerdy it's the best (laughs) it's so granular that's fantastic I I love hearing the backstory behind that song because I've listened to that song so many times (laughs) it makes it make so much more sense because I didn't really know I mean I, I got a sense of what you were saying without being able to articulate it. Well, I, I, I never. I also never want to dictate meaning. No, of uh, course, because like, everyone's going to take you know, 
it's, I think sometimes that works for you too. Oh, the, your song was about. Oh, yes, sure, it yeah, was. Exactly. Yes, yeah, if that's what that's, it meant to you. After a show, when someone, if someone comes up and says, "Hey, what's that song about?" and invariably they also follow that up immediately with what they think it's about. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is the best because then you just go absolutely, and it gets you out of the conversation faster too. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> well, thanks for coming. See, <laughs> what was the? There was a guy who. Oh. Or the sister it was it was don't get married without me and he thought it was about the, the Titanic. Titanic. Yeah, he thought it was about the Titanic. There's one lyric, <laughs> bailing out water while the ship goes down. The song's called Don't Get Married Without Me. Well, yeah, um, there's only one boat wreck in the history of boats, so that's, that's a, that had to be the one. And and his sister was our runner at a show, and she said she she brought it up instantly, saying, "Hey, my brother thinks Don't Get Married Without Me." Is about the Titanic. It's not, right? <laughs> uh, yes, no. <laughs> exactly, because then you're screwed. Because you're, you're a whole. Th- I, I always just say yes. That's what it's about. So yeah, then, I was. I, I had a. <laughs> that song is an Aryan anthem. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what did you just agree to? Oh, I don't know. I wasn't listening. Oh, no. I honestly wasn't listening. Uh, there, you know, there, I know this sounds crazy, and I'm sure people pitch you this all the time. There's a song I think you guys would sound amazing covering, and I don't know why I've been stuck on it for the pet. Every year I make a playlist on my birthday, and I name it after that year that's coming up. Uh, and it's just basically whatever I get stuck on throughout the years on this playlist, so I sort of have this annual diary of whatever I was listening to throughout the year. And for some reason this year, I got stuck on... Bobby Brown's On Their Own from the Ghostbusters <laughs> 2 soundtrack. No way. Nice. And I honestly, for some reason, <laughs> playing it on the way over here when I knew I was going to talk to you guys, when it gets to his rap in the middle where he goes, too hot to handle, too cold to hold, <laughs> I sang out loud, they called the Punch Brothers and the In Control, <laughs> without really thinking why. <laughs> but then after I did that... <laughs> I was entertaining myself in traffic. Uh, like, they should totally cover that. Uh, I'm sure you get a lot of, you should totally. But, you know, if you're bored you and know, you want to kick a Bobby Brown. But, re- yeah, but only if you come defended, in and do the rap. Rarely defended as ably as that. Because <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you even covered. That's compelling. Not with the Punch Brothers, but didn't you do um, Spit on a Stranger? Yes. Which yeah. is an, a, a phenomenal cover of that song. Oh, thank you. That whole, that pavement record. Um, I know most pavement fans usually go a little uh, further back in pavement's catalog. But that, to me, that, that pavement record, Terror Twilight, is so rad. The, I still think we should cover the song that has the, the lyric, Watch out for the gypsy children in electric dresses. They're insane. <laughs> It's pretty good. Yeah. I hear they live in crematoriums and smoke your remains. That's that's unbelievable. That's a good lyric, right? That's a phenomenal lyric. We could put that in the Bobby Brown rap. We could just sneak it in. Yeah, because, you know, he just repeats the rap at the end, yeah. which is a weird thing to do. Why, yeah. why not have new words? Yeah, why from not that have new words? And then you... I'm telling you, Bobby Brown... Weaving Bobby Brown pavement and bluegrass together? No one's ever done that before. <laughs> you, would, you would at least... At least if the audience is like, what the fuck was it? At least they'd go, well, I've never seen it. I mean, you know. <laughs> At least it's new. Yeah. It's not good, but it's new. <laughs> I think it would be good, actually. I think it, would, it, it might be good. To the nationwide poll, just to, to ask people, to ask Americans what they wanted to hear in their music. And they said they wanted to hear bluegrass, Bobby Brown, and pavement. And pavement, those three things. And if you could maybe put a verse about my, my dead dog in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I think if you, if you wrapped those three things together, I think you could basically... 
hit every major demographic in America, like all at one time. Either that or rip a hole in space time. You don't know. Yeah, you can be very careful. You guys might all travel back in time. <laughs> that could be the other thing that happens. Uh, you guys are going to play in a second. But I, also, I just wanted to give a shout-out to your awesome baby, who I got to high-five me. <laughs> He's five months old. And he, Chris, like, goes up for the high-five, and Cal actually the did The hand it. went up, Calvin, and he, he yeah. came fly. I didn't have to go to him. He some, did it some like, babies. This, is, this is not a thing that he does, but he did it for Chris. Some babies are just like Thanksgiving turkeys. You just got to do it. They're just, like, floppy. <laughs> he, went, he made the effort to come to my hand, yeah. uh, which was an amazing feat. For I, a small baby, he is—he is the single greatest person who has ever lived. And your and your wife and I did a CSI together years ago, like which, nine years ago, I think. Which is amazing. Which still airs from time to time. Is it keeping? Is it keeping us in? She's there. Claire, we're talking Hi, Claire. about you. It's keeping you in your house. Hi, Claire. What was the location? CSI. Was it a CSI? It was. It, it was. It was. It was it was OG CSI. It was the original CSI. Oh, and Amanda Seyfried was in that episode. Amanda Seyfried was in that episode, too, yeah. She's gone on to giant greater things. Has she done anything else after that? I thought that was it for her. I was going to ask if she's doing okay. Yeah, but does her, does her boyfriend or her husband play the mandolin? No. No. I don't think so. And does her infant child high-five awesome people? No. See. Now I feel like he's got to have some sort of a bluegrass nickname, like, it's old High Five, because he's to High Five to everybody when he was a baby. I think old High Five is, is pretty good. Old High Five. Old High Five. Old in front of it makes it. Yeah. Cal, Cal's probably like, yes, anything but crumpet, which is what we currently call him. Crumpet. Crumpet's for home when he wants to be fancier at yeah. home, and then but out in the streets, he's old High Five. Stage, stage high name, five. yeah. Yeah, right. yeah he didn't even, have such luck. Yeah. Uh, he, some other baby's gonna knife him with crumpet in the streets. You know, he's, he needs like a, he's gonna need like a badass, like a badass. Right. You're, not gonna, you're not gonna, yeah, you're not gonna mess with a high five. No, no, you're not gonna. You, can, you will not mess with a little high five. Uh, well, what are you guys gonna play? What do you, what are you gonna, what do you want to play? Oh yeah, let's um, let's play julep. Julep. We'll Excellent. Julep. Yeah. The part but in... first, we'll play rye whiskey. But before you, uh, before we jump into oh, yeah. song mode, phosphorescent blues is the album, and it, uh, uh, that's the current album. Yes. Um, but how many albums are there total? There, there are five if you count uh, the first thing that we did together, which actually came out uh, as a solo record of mine, which was called "How to Grow a Woman from the Ground," and it was under my name. But that should have been a Punch Brothers record. Gotcha. I'm just an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but then you softened up. I softened up. Well, I, it was, you know, the braces really take one down a peg. And <laughs> <laughs> you can't really yell at people. No. <laughs> Come on, just, guys. Just, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to make him say? <laughs> Britney Spears. <laughs> You're dead, Dan. <laughs> That's what I feel like. That fucking like show is still amazing. It's still amazing. Yeah. They just did a whole. They just had a brand new episode all about how they were scrambling to get a Whole Foods in town, and they <laughs> they built a they built a hipster district called Soto Sopa, uh, and they built everything around Kenny's shitty shack of a house, and that's what made it like shitty and urban but then all this fan and they kept cutting to these live action commercials oh my God. about the types of dining <laughs> and like the residence is at Soto Sopa it was fucking amazing oh still like God. 19 years 19 I'm years God bless him. I, I'm in 
I've loved me some South Park. All right, it's time for some. Okay. Uh, 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 Tyrell. Music. Greek theater.
Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. It's winner go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges that will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win $200 million. Thousands, not millions. $200,000. Because it's about to be ugly crying. Lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The GOAT. Stream free on Amazon Freeview or Prime Video. 